0: Welcome to the Arise podcast. I'm Tanya Anderson, CEO at Arise. It's my pleasure to have with me today, Maria Muzumaki, who is our Lead Regional Resource Development Specialist here. Welcome. Hello. So tell us a little bit about the Regional Resource Development Center, or we call RRDC for short.
1: We are housed at Arise. And we oversee the Traumatic Brain Injury Waiver Program, along with the NHTD Nursing Home Transition and Diversion Medicaid Waiver Program. Um, so we onboard, onboard the applicants here at Arise. Um, we, we receive the referral. We screen the referral, and then we pro- proceed to intake. And then if all goes well, they become TBI participants.
0: Great. And so, this is a uh, program that's under Medicaid. Correct. And you'd mentioned that we get referrals of people who want to determine if they're eligible for the services. And we had a podcast um, before talking about the nursing home transition and diversion aspect of the program. And you focus on the traumatic brain injury or TBI part, is that right? Correct.
1: So, they are both Medicaid waiver programs, meaning that they Both applicants have to have active Medicaid. However, for TBI, the individual needs to be between the ages of 18 and 64 upon enrollment. So if the individual is turning 65 in four months, we would relook at that referral because more than likely they will not be on the waiver in those short four months. Mm -hmm. Um, After that, they would need to have a documented medical diagnosis of a TBI. Mm -hmm. Um They range from strokes. One can sustain a TBI from a motor vehicle accident, um, and assault. Um, the only things that do not qualify for TBIs are, believe it or not, brain tumors it is not a diagnosis of a TBI. Wow. However, one can become diagnosed with a TBI as a result of the treatment for the brain tumor. Additionally, gestational birth difficulties or having a progressive de- degenerative disease, you are not eligible for a TBI. Wow.
0: So I think that's a really important point because people hear the, the phrase TBI and they might think, okay, that's, that's not really anything I'm ever going to have to worry about. But based on that information, it's something that can happen to anybody.
1: Anybody at any time.
0: And what generally... Um, what does a TBI look like in terms of the people that you deal with? What sort of symptoms or characteristics? It's
1: typically often referred to as the invisible disease or diagnosis. Okay. Um, sometimes you can't tell somebody has a TBI because it's not just the physical impairments. Often at times the individual doesn't have a physical impairment. It's cognitive, um, short-term memory loss, long-term memory issues, impaired judgment, impulsivity, Um it, it mimics sometimes what one looks like when they have a mental health diagnosis, right. so it's hard to diagnose at times. So often at times, we we request the medical documentation, however, if an individual is duly diagnosed with a mental health diagnosis, sometimes we recommend having a neuropsych avail. Okay.
0: And that's um, really such an important point that you make just in general that there are many disabilities, quote-unquote disabilities, that are invisible. So, like you said, you can't tell by looking mm-hmm. at someone they might have a disability, and TBI is just one example. And it's really interesting the range of characteristics and how that overlaps with so many other things. Yes. So someone comes to us, they've got a referral, they've got the documentation, they have an established um, TBI What's the next step?
1: The next step is they place the referral. We review the referral and all the medical documentation. Uh, and then after that would be intake. And intake consists of the specialist meeting with the individual in person. However, due to you know, pandemic, right? Um, if they don't want to meet in person, we can do it over the phone. After the intake is completed, they are handed a list of service coordination agencies. And if they are able to advocate for themselves um, or have a natural support that would like to do that on their behalf, they are to contact all the agencies to see if they have availability for an interview. Uh, The TBA Waiver Program is a voluntary program, meaning that providers can decline and accept a case, um, as well as with an individual they get to choose it's a program of choice they get to choose who they want to work with as well which is a wonderful choice to have Um, after that once a service coordinator has been identified that said service coordinator has 60 days to submit a plan into our office for us to review sometimes it's doable um, to submit a plan in 60 days however if there are issues with housing and connecting the dots with services such as HCSS Home Community Support Services, which are our personal care aids. Right. Um, it take take a little bit more than those two months. And at that point in time, the service coordinator reaches out to us to request an extension. Okay. And we'd like to work with the service coordinator to see how we can assist move right. the process along. So that's
0: a ton of information. I'm gonna break it down a little bit. So There's the referral, there's the intake, which is sort of a conversation between you and the participant to find out what they might need. Correct. And what are some of the things that someone coming into the TBI waiver might need?
1: First and foremost, because it's the only service that they are required to have is service coordination. A service coordinator, their role is to link, refer, and advocate on behalf of the individual. After that, it's a la carte. There's a whole buffet of services. There's the HCSS, Home Community Support Services, which is a unique service to us because we provide oversight and supervision. So in addition to light housekeeping, meal preparation, and providing verbal prompts Mm -hmm. for meds, um, they provide oversight and supervision to ensure that the individual Is safe, safe in their
0: home. So this is someone staying um, with the person with the TBI just to make sure that they're safe and that their basic needs are being taken
1: care of. Absolutely. It's a personal care aid, um, which is really the premier service. Individuals come to our program for the HCSS component. There are um, structured aid programs uh, for socialization. And to ma- maintaining and learning new
0: skills. So that looks like someone going to a physical place with other people who have a TBI and they're Correct. doing activities together. Correct. Okay.
1: There is ILST, independent living skills training, where let's say they would like to relearn how to budget their checkbook. Okay. It's an, not an ongoing service, it's considered train and fade, meaning they work on a goal and then once they achieve it, they work on another goal. Okay. Another service we have is CIC, Community Integration Counseling, and that is for TBI adjustment. It's a counselor who works on that, adjusting with TBI. They don't address any mental health issues. There's also assistive technology. Mm -hmm. Um, We mostly use it for PERS, the Personal Emergency Response System, such as fall pendants. Okay, Uh, call buttons. Okay. Um, Environmental modifications. For instance, if an individual needed a ramp, we could assist. Um, It's not instant gratification. It's, it's, there's a process, a lot of paperwork, Um, but I myself have approved a bathroom modification for $19,000. So it's nice when it comes together, but it does take some time uh, because it needs to be justified because we are the waiver of last resort. So the service coordinator has the work cut out for them. They look at outside resources, community resources, um, are they, and then they submit a plan into the, our office, and we approve it. Right. Um, it sounds simple, but it's not. It's it's quite uh, it's it's con- time consuming actually it sounds
0: pretty complicated to me because better I'm word not a better it. word a better word yeah complicated so so if i'm understanding this right the service coordinator who everybody in your program has a service Correct. coordinator is really the person that um, makes sure to identify the needs of the participant to look at the menu of services available identify the providers that can get that service in place for the person and do the follow-up in terms of paperwork and plans and Absolutely. that sort of thing. Absolutely,
1: They're the ones who justify um, the reason why the individual, let's say, needs a ramp or a bathroom modification, and that service coordinator reaches out to occupational therapists, physical therapists, again, justifying why, um, for example, why Bob needs to have his doors widened
0: in the right. bathroom. Right. And of course, in my mind, and I'm sure in yours too, um, the justification seems easy because every single thing that you talked about is a service or a support that allows a person to stay in the community in a safe and independent manner. Agreed. And that circles back to Arise as an Independent Living Center because we're all about making sure that people are independent in the community and and wherever possible, not in an institutional setting.
1: Absolutely, and often oftentimes the RDC, Regional Resource Development Center, we often refer to benefit specialists when we receive referrals with those individuals that don't have Medicaid. Okay. So we reach out to the benefit specialists to help them obtain Medicaid so that they can circle back to us to place a referral. So that's, an, that's
0: a nice gateway, a nice little loop you've got going it's there. It's
1: very nice. and uh, We've also used advocacy for those individuals who have zero natural supports when they need help with interviewing service coordination agencies. Okay,
0: and a natural support would be a family member. Family
1: member, correct. Or yep. a
0: friend. A
1: friend, a neighbor, anybody that they find that they could provide them with support.
0: Right. And that's so important because you're thinking about someone who's got a TBI, it might be really difficult for them to, like you said, conduct an interview or make a judgment or make a decision, remember the different pros and cons of the different providers. So having that second set of ears and eyes in place is, it's always important, I think, when you're making a big decision, but for these folks in particular, it's critical.
1: Yep. And then oftentimes, the RDC will assist with identifying a service coordination agency by reaching out to all the agencies, asking if they have availability to interview.
0: Right. And so how many people are you um, working with at any particular time or a year or a month?
1: Well, I can tell you tomorrow we will have 290 participants wow. in the eight counties that we serve. That's a
0: lot. That strikes me as a lot.
1: It is a lot. Um, and we're always working t- to enroll more individuals um, and again the purpose of the program is to help people the, the participants become independent so oftentimes we have participants who feel as if they've graduated from the program and they request to be to be disenrolled right so we have individuals who request to be disenrolled And then sometimes we have individuals who, um, you know, their diagnoses have progressed and, you know, the waiver isn't meeting their needs due to a lack of staffing or lack of natural supports um, or they're medically complex and they have to be admitted to a nursing home. Right. So that number ebbs and flows. Right. We reach 300, then we go back to 295. So. Still a lot of people. It is a lot of people.
0: Are there particular stories or are individuals that you've interacted with that stand out in terms of just um, someone you thought, wow, I don't know if this person is going to be able to be successful in, in the community and they just have been a flourishing success or anything that stands out in your mind?
1: What stands out in my mind are all the a- applicants slash participants that we enrolled during the pandemic. Um we were able to, as a team with the service coordinators, the HS agencies that provide the personal care aids, able to help along the discharge process. Um, in terms of success stories, I personally think success when somebody can say to their service coordinator, I've graduated, yes. I think I don't need you anymore. And The way that i was taught to do service coordination because i was a former service coordinator was to work myself out of a job right to help the individuals become so independent where they don't need me anymore so for me it's always it's bittersweet when somebody says you know what i don't need you anymore um and they write us a really nice letter sometimes saying hey i've graduated you know so and so did their job i don't need you anymore and it's just like okay well good luck to you and they have flown they have just they've done really amazing things
0: that is um i could see where it would be bittersweet Bittersweet. but it's much sweeter than bitter i think because that's what we're about is making sure people are successful and independent so what you've been doing this for a long time what what is your driving motivation in this work
1: helping those remain in their homes and helping individuals re-enter the community after being in a nursing home, Um choices. choices, yeah. having them make their own decisions, and just being a part of that.
0: It's really giving them the power to control exactly. their own lives.
1: Exactly. And I give all the credit to service coordinators because they're really doing all the legwork, as well as the HCSS, the personal care aides in the homes. Right. Um, and in terms of the RDSs here at Arise, you know, yes, we approve the plans, but it's just nice working together with the providers that are actually doing the work, you know, right on the field. And we're just,
0: we help. Well, you're part of a really great team. and I would say so. I deeply appreciate what you do every day, Maria. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more
1: information on how you can support Arise, visit our website at Arise, Inc. O-R-G. Support Arise. Support Independence.